this out. Okay. Hey, we want to welcome you to the Foundations podcast today. And I'm here with Pastor Paul Vincent, New uh, River of Life Church in Georgetown, Texas. And uh, hi, Pastor Paul. Hi, good to be with you, Steve. And uh, today we're continuing on the uh, from the last podcast that we had. And we are continuing on talking about the fivefold ministry. And let me just do a quick two-minute synopsis of, of what we were talking about. First of all, in and uh, let's read the verse here. It's in Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, we're looking at verse 11. Yeah. And, and he says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And then it goes on from there. But so what we're dealing with is we're dealing with it, well, some call them offices, some call them ministries, they're probably both, um, talking about apostles prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Now, in our last podcast, what we did is we talked about kind of a definition of who, what these particular office slash ministries are. And today, though, what we want to do is I want us, I want us, and I think that this is going to be good, for us to take a look at the modern church today. And we want to ask uh, three questions. First of all, does this office or ministry exist in today's church? Secondly, where, how are we seeing it go about? Where are we seeing it happen? What are they doing? You know, that type of thing. And then lastly, is it scriptural? I mean, are they doing it in uh, the way it's being conducted? Is it being conducted in a scriptural, biblical manner, the way it should be, bottom line? And so uh, that's what we're going to discuss today. So, um, Pastor Paul, um, so we're, gonna, we're just going to, what we're going to do is we're going to go down the line. We're going to talk about each of these uh, office slash ministries here and... Uh, let, let, let's take a look at it today. So, um, okay, so let's take the first one, apostles. Okay, first of all, let's kind of reiterate what is an apostle, and do we see them in the church today? Uh, uh, do we see them in the church today? Go ahead. Um, yes, I do believe we see them in the church today, but not as it's defined everywhere. Uh, 
Okay. Um, an apostle biblically is somebody who's sent out, you know. Mm-hmm. And the first reference of this we have is Matthew 10. Okay. And that's where Jesus, he, they're called disciples to begin with, but he says now the names of the these 12 apostles, and he lists them all. Sure. And then they're sent out. And there they were sent specifically to the house of Israel. And then that got broadened out uh, okay. later. Um, and then, you know, so we, so we have the original 12. And then we have, uh, if we wanted to add to that, Paul being born out of time. Sure. Uh, I believe in some sense that he occupies that same authority level mm-hmm. as the 12. But I, I think we should mention, and, and this may be a theological, uh, you know, statement, but, but I think it's pretty obvious that the, if we're talking about the original 12 or Paul or Barnabas, if we put them in that context, I don't believe any apostle is an apostle in the sense of that. Okay. Um, I, you know, I mean, in other words, there's no apostle today that's writing scripture. Yeah. You know, okay. what we call scripture. I mean, you know, uh, there is a function of that apostle position or apostolic gift. Okay. I believe the word missionary would uh, would apply. Yeah, missionary. Somebody that, that would uh, say go across to Africa or to Asia or Indonesia or somewhere like that, and they would go and... So what would they do over there well, what, they, as they an apostle? And, they would go and preach the gospel, okay. much like an evangelist. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we see these things. Uh, just a, just a, let's say a, a missionary. Um, we'll use Mike McGee because uh, he's one of our Assembly of God missionaries, foreign missionary in Mexico and, and went into Latin America and so about that for over 30 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, and one of the things that he always did is you go and have a tent revival. Okay. Uh, not a revival. That's probably the wrong word. But, well, but tent a tent meetings. meeting. Tent meeting, yeah. And, uh, and would go in there and present the gospel. They would do f- films, you know, the Jesus film that mm-hmm. the modern were used on the mission field. Uh, he'd go trek up mountains to go bring, you know, the gospel to people. And then once they had people come to Christ, did the same thing that Paul did, start a church. Yeah. You ordain elders. You appoint an overseer, a pastor. And all of that's, you know, that, that, and by the way, that's a lifelong mission. That's not just something you do for two weeks and leave. No, that, you, you, mean, your, your whole ministry life is yeah. co- committed to that, to the point of we've seen martyrdom. Right. Oh, yes, definitely. Even when we studied the Apostle Paul, yes, there was one church, I think he was there for three weeks mm-hmm. at Thessalonica, but... but he constantly wrote to them. He he went back to them. He appointed elders. He put other people in charge. Sent them back, uh, like like the church at uh well the church is I should say at Crete. Yeah. Uh, you know he wrote to Titus that being one of the pastoral letters, mm-hmm. and, uh, and 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 very specifically he said the work we started. So apparently Titus was there when it was. Mm-hmm. He said the reason I left you there is so you could complete the work we started. Okay. And his was to. Pre- uh, to appoint uh, elders and overseers. He talked about qualifications. He talked about what his ministry was, mm-hmm. what was supposed to happen, what was happening in the church. All of that is apostolic. Sure. That's what a missionary does. Okay, okay. And you know, when, when you're, you're talking about that, it brings to mind even the first, or was it the second and third chapter of Revelation, where it says, I mean, even in that context, is to the church in Laodicea, mm-hmm. to the church in Philadelphia, I write. Yeah. To this, 
And so, or God speaking directly from in the book of Revelation through John, or to John, with the, those messages to those churches. churches. So the the thing with an apostle is what your apostle he he maybe goes out on the mission fields or what have you. And this is what the original apostles did when they spread out. Yeah. When persecution hit Jerusalem and all of that area, they they scattered yeah. out, and the, which was able actually. Uh, we we talk about you know how God works everything for good. He scattered, they scattered, but they also were able to establish ministries in all those different areas. And and as we know of the apostles' uh, history, that I believe everyone except for John was martyred. Yes, every one of them lost their lives, but they went out and did the work in a, of an apostle. They established the churches in those areas. And then like with Paul, I mean, Paul comes in there, he's kind of like the overseer and he's saying, hey, listen, you know, this is the way that your elders are supposed to, uh, you know, the bishop, he should be this way, the, you know, and that type of thing, establishing the overseers of those of those uh, works. Right, right. Yeah, and if you look at the, the first two letters, uh, well, the, the, the two letters that Paul wrote to Timothy, their pastoral epistles, Timothy is in Ephesus. Okay. So when we're looking at this Ephesian uh, passage, that's written to those in Ephesus. And uh, so no doubt that those in Ephesus read or had read to them First and Second Timothy. Mm -hmm. uh, two different letters were very specific at, as to how you behave yourself in the house of God. Sure. You know what I mean? And so those kind of concepts, Titus the same way. Mm -hmm. uh, there's multiple churches in Crete. Okay. That they established. Paul established a church in Ephesus. So you got multiple churches in Crete, mm -hmm. and uh, and so the, the ideal there, the apostolic instruction, is appoint elders and overseers in all the churches. In other words, there's multiple places. Yeah. So he he's going to represent Paul's authority as an apostle, mm -hmm. and you're going to go out there, and you're gonna you're gonna take care of what we started. Sure. And, uh, and and so that's similar to what he wrote to Timothy, but that's an apostle. Uh, you know, an apostle but, is not exercising authority over something he didn't start. Yeah. This is in relation to what he started. In fact, he said, I don't want to build on any man's foundation. No. That's one of the things he said to the Corinthians. Uh, and, with, uh, with that, he owned it. If the apostle, he established that mm -hmm. work, he owned that. In yes. other words, this is the terminology we use, but he, he owned it. In other words, it was his responsibility. And even after he may have gone on and established another work, he still was the apostle the apostle for that church. So he actually had some responsibility there. I'm sure he prayed for it. I'm sure he, mm -hmm. he uh, visited it regularly, uh, you know. And, and just like uh, Paul, when he talks to, say, Corinthians, or Roman, or well, Corinthians, let's talk about that. Corinthians, sometimes he had to send some rebukes. Oh, yes. And and who has the authority to do that? Well, the apostle. And in the, in, you know, the here Paul, you know, mm -hmm. he established this church. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, and after, you know, he's martyred, Timothy is left there. Sure. And, uh, and after Timothy's martyred, you have... Um, Oh, I can't think of the guy's name right now. I just went on the tip of my tongue. Who also wrote a uh, Clement? Yeah, Clement. Okay. Uh, wrote uh, two different uh, uh, epistles to yeah. uh, to the Corinthians. Now we don't consider those things scripture, 
uh, in that sense of the word. No. But but they, we do have those letters. They can be read. Interesting enough that he wrote about the same things that Paul wrote about. Uh-huh. You know, so apparently here we go. We we've got what fifty years after his. Paul's death, and they're still dealing with the same stuff. Which that's that's why the Word of God's so valid to us today. Because even though Paul wrote that to the Corinthians, it has direct bearing on us on how we behave in the you know in the house of God. So. Okay, okay, so okay, so that 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 kind of kind of gives us an idea of what the what, what uh, the apostolic ministry is in today's uh, we we see it uh, in today's world, seeing it through missionaries, through missionary efforts. Now, what I want to do, though, is I want to take a look at what we're doing today and and how it's being done. And the very first thing that comes to mind, that came to my mind, was how, uh, well, first of all, when I look at an apostle, I say, I, I think of establishing new churches. Yes. Now, in today's world, how are we establishing new churches? And not this is not happening just, say, overseas. No. What about in America, that people are springing up new churches? And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something here, and, uh, because it's, it's very important. It's, the thing is, is that whatever... A work is built upon the foundation of that church or the, the what you're building on. You talked about, I don't build on another man's foundation. Right. Okay. And we see a lot of churches springing up, or we have over the past years and all that, in America. I remember one particular instance in a town up north in Texas. I'm not going to give the name. Uh, where what ended up happening is one church was going on and then there was a church split. And then all of a sudden, somebody somebody got mad. And so they took half of that church or a part of that church off and they went and established another work. Yeah, that's, that's not... That, well, first of all, uh, you know, well, one of the things I told you before we started this podcast, just to just to, just give myself a little clarity. Sure. I mean, I've taught through Ephesian, uh, Ephesian letter numerous times in church over the many years and, and all like that, but it doesn't matter. I mean, you know, so I took chapter four, five, and six and just read it out loud to myself. By the way, that doesn't take long to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to refresh my mind, and then of course I reflected on what he wrote in the first three chapters. Sure. As it, you know, what, how does how does all this apply? And um, and, and so, you know, one of the things that I read there, uh, well, it's just in the first chapter. I mean, this is I mean the fourth chapter, and uh, of our text, he says, "I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling." So remember, he's, he's writing to the Ephesian believers here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, which you were called with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Okay. All right. Uh, in de- and then he says, there's one body and there's one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of us all, who's above all and through all and in all. 
I mean, that right there, if that does not give you the understanding of church splits and how unbiblical that is and how grieving that is to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. uh, This is back in Ephesians. This is way back when. Yeah. And so, you know, he's he's calling us to a unity of the Spirit. And uh, and, and so, yeah, I don't know how you respond to that any other. It's just sin is what it is. It is. And then you go on the fifth <laughs> chapter and he tells us not to grieve the Holy Spirit. So anyway. <laughs> grieving the Holy Spirit. I mean, yeah. And God can't bless that. He and, cannot bless it. No. Oh, and, I, and I'm, I'm going to focus in just a little bit on this because we have now in, in a, well, America, the world for that matter, we had the Catholic Church. Yes. Then there was the Reformation. Yes. Then there was the, um, 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 what is it, non-Catholic, what do we call that? Um, well, non-Catholic churches or what have you. Well, the Reformation. Reformation. The Baptist. Baptist and the Methodist. And the Presbyterians. So, you, so now what we have is a bunch of different flavors of churches mm-hmm. that you can have because through denominationalism. Right. Okay. Yet... You see, the thing is, God, God's original intent was to send an apostle into an area to establish a church, and there is what that work was. When he addressed them in, say, the book of Revelation or wherever else, he was t- talking, or in Ephesians, to the church at Ephesus, yeah. I write, to the church. Right. See, I, I, I believe in verbal plenary inspiration. Yes. To the, the not a church, no, the, church. the church in Ephesus. Or the church in Smyrna or Philadelphia or Laodicea, whatever we're talking about. So, by so, the way, those are, I've heard it said by somebody, and it made a lot of sense to me years ago, that, that those are the, uh, the seven epistles of Jesus that John is giving, mm-hmm. you know. I thought, well, that's an interesting way because that's Jesus specifically speaking mm-hmm. to those seven churches, and uh, yeah, and you know, and I don't, I don't believe that it was put it this way. It's not that this stuck God by surprise. I mean, God knew what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as far as denominationalism and all of those things, I don't believe that's part of God's plan. Mm-hmm. But God still works through it. Because that's sort of well. What we it's, have. It's in other words, we got ourselves in this mess. Now we have to somehow I mean, no manage that, this. Yeah, I've got you know Southern Baptist friends. I can promise you, we'll never be able to agree on a doctrine, and that would be a problem, you know, for them as well as it it would be to me. I mean, you know, I mean, we can't have uh, everybody, uh, you know, uh, you know, plowing their field sideways. You know, you know what I mean. That would just create disunity. It would create problems. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and all that. And there's different interpretations of the Bible, different understandings, and and things of that nature. That gets into what we've talked about about hermeneutics. Sure. And uh, in other words, context. Uh, but even even if it's amazing how you can have two different, like say you can have a Baptist person, you can have a, uh, a assembly of God. We're assembly mm-hmm. of God church. And we can apply the proper hermeneutics almost on every passage of every part of the Bible. But when it comes to a few different things, even applying the same hermeneutics to the passage, uh-huh. how we can come up with different applications. that It's shocking to me. And it's a challenge it, to anybody. Oh, faith, it is. Know? It is. You know, the thing is, is that, and then... Okay, so on, 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 let me just get back to this. On one level here, we have denominationalism, which really is an indication of church splitting. Yes. 
because of doctrinal differences. Yes. Okay. Well, so they're not all. Well, yeah, I would say most of that's doctrine. Reformation, the Reformation had happened. I believe that was a move of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. and mainly because what was considered the Catholic Church. Sure. And, of course, the Catholic Church back then was, was more different than it is than today. It, yeah. And when you're selling indulgences Indulgence, yeah, for tensile. your dead people yeah. to raise money, I mean that's that was the that was like the straw that broke, broke the camel's, camel's back. back. Uh, I don't think that uh, Martin Luther ever thought in the terms that I'm going to create a new movement. Uh-huh. It was a state. He was a Catholic priest, and so you know it was just the fact of I can't do this anymore. Sure. And uh, and what he uh, posted. Uh, on the doorsteps there of that uh, church, I mean uh, that theses, yeah. that just black created a firestorm that he couldn't even understand. By the way, Martin Luther suffered greatly. Yeah, that's what that's what because it says, of yeah. that. So if you could say Martin Luther, in some sense of the word, was he an apostle? I don't know if he was or not, but but he was not in the sense of the twelve. I don't think mm-hmm. anybody is. But but I mean. Um, what he did was apostolic. Yes, and 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 and, and he like and when you mentioned about all the original apostles that we read about in the New Testament, yeah, violent deaths. Mm-hmm. Uh, except, well, John was persecuted unmercifully. Yeah, you know, and uh, well, as far but but he I mean he died as an old man, but mm-hmm. uh, but you know Martin Luther was hid by I forget what queen that hid him. I think it was in Spain. I may be wrong on that. Mm-hmm. I didn't brush up on my church history there, <laughs> but uh, but but he spent like the last twelve or fifteen years of his life, and he ta- he writes about being lonely. Sure. And somebody says, "Wasn't well, that better than being burned at the stake?" Depends on how you look at it. Yeah, yeah. What, what's your you know, um, you know? But, but I, I will say that church history is fascinating. It's it's one of the when when uh, that's one of the subjects that I just really love to to get into, especially if we're talking about Luther and all that, but. We see that that's from a, deno- a doctrinal standpoint. Yes, doctrinal. That's not because okay. I got mad at anybody. It, that's just because what my church was teaching mm-hmm. is an era. Yes. You know, and so at that point, it, I mean, we're not talking about a difference of opinion. We're talking about something completely anti-biblical. Yes. Well, then at that point, what am I going to do? Am I going to raise my children in that that, that environment yeah. where that's perpetrated? Or is God calling me to something else? And we see that even with people that leave one church for another. They don't leave it always because they're angry. They leave because they have to. Yeah. They, they don't have any choice. And uh, and God does sometimes take people out of a church, move them to a completely different location, and plant them somewhere else. Sure. I mean, we, we've had gobs of people that have moved here from California to our, mm-hmm. our place. We have... People, we have numerous families that are from California. Well, they had to find a church. Well, they found us. Yeah. Well, they had to go to church somewhere. <laughs> so, and so. you see, you see, but okay. Uh, and I, I want to go wonder. I want to go on the other cause of church, uh, uh, the other piece, and then I want to go back. But uh, go back to uh, looking at it from a standpoint of say somebody who is a brand new Christian. Right. Okay. But we're, let's 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 move on from that. We got do, uh, what I wanted to point out was the doctrinal differences of splits. Now I want to deal with something, and I just I feel led that we need to deal with something here. And this is okay. 
when I was young, when I was 15 years of age, I was 12, I got saved when I was 12. When I was 15 years of age, I began to feel a call of God on my life, okay? And um, so I, you know, I fostered that and we decided I was going to go to Bible college. I went to Southern California College in Costa Mesa. It's now Vanguard. Anyway, I got my degree in biblical studies and hermene- or in uh, pastoral. Med- pastoral. <laughs> pastoral. Yeah. There was nothing for evangelists no, at that no, time. No, 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 there no, never no, was. No, I don't no, know. No, anyway, we'll get into we that later. But that. Yeah, no, we'll get me started. <laughs> but um, anyway, and so uh, ended with the Assemblies of God. You missionary, teacher. Professor or pastor. Or pastor. Or pastor. That's really yeah, they didn't really go. Anyway, we don't want to get into that. But um, so I went into the ministry and I felt called to the ministry. And then that's okay. We foster the idea. And I, I'm, 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 be, I'm not being cynical here, but I just want to just kind of plainly state it. We foster the idea that God calls people into the ministry. Still in today's yes, society, yes. okay? You get a call on your heart. You want to do some work for God, okay? And But the problem is, is that it's just kind of like starting a new business because, or else going into the business. Either you can go work for that particular business or you can start your own business, and what has happened here in the church, and I think you'll, when I bring this around, you'll probably understand where I'm going with this, is that we have a lot of called people that are sitting on the pews in churches today. Definitely. Now, the thing is, is that, um, and I think you, as a pastor, you're going to experience this. You're going to understand this because you got, you got people that feel called in your church. Now, there are, all, there are certain things that they can do as being a part of this particular ministry. Yeah. They can teach Sunday school. They can, uh, you know, uh, be an associate pastor and be on call whenever to do whatever, uh, whenever. If there are different ministries that spring up within the church, they can uh, be a part of that. They can be a youth minister. They can be a children's pastor. They can, you know, music ministry, this type of thing. I mean, there's all this different stuff that they can do within the church. But then, well, I don't feel called to this, blah, 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 blah. Well, then they start saying, well, I'm not being used. Right. Okay, and then who do they blame? Well, they generally blame the pastor. Yeah, they blame the pastor, yeah. which I, I think is unfair. Now, 100%, I feel that that's unfair because I think there's not an understanding of things. But at the same time, um, some of these individuals are not too close to God or else they're not really listening on the pipeline. But at the same time, some of them, they feel, well, I'm just going to leave this church and I'm going to go start my own ministry. And, you know, you, you can say, well, Steve, you're doing a podcast. Well, I specifically prayed about this for about two years. So, I mean, we're doing what it, and this is not my only ministry. No, <laughs> I do no, a lot of things. I'm a music minister. Anyway, and we do a lot of different things. But at the same time, and, and I support, and we're here, and we love being here and doing ministry here at the church uh, with whatever we can do. We've done a lot of different yes, things. Yes, definitely. Ton. But at the same time, 
these individuals get, I'm trying to find a term that's proper. They get uh, offended, I'll just, or they get their, uh, you know, get upset or whatever. And so I'm going to go off and start my own ministry because I'm mad because nobody's using me at this church. And, they, they and Pastor, you know, as I, can, can, am I saying, am I speaking yes. some truth here? Yes. Do the individuals that act like this or they do this and then they go off. But you see, and it makes it easier today. So they go on Facebook. Oh, yeah. They go on, on the Internet now. They got or, or whatever. Uh, they'll go to another place and start another church. Yes. And, and, be, and by the way, we have a lot of people that say, well, you know, I'm going to have my own little ecclesia. I'm going to have my own little church home. Mm -hmm. And it's like, really? And I think that's an abuse of some passages there in Acts chapter 2 about people meeting house to house, but they also met together. There's nothing wrong with having a home group. Yeah. But is that an ecclesia? I don't think so. No. I don't think that's what he's talking about. Do we have the application of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers? No. Mm -mm. You know, we, we don't have that. I, and, and like I said, that's, that's a, a misuse of, a, I think, oh, I don't know how you would use it. Well, basically, it's ignorance of Scripture. It's, it's, it's taking Scriptures uh, and that house-to-house -house thing there in chapter 2 uh -huh. and just literally just butchering any kind of hermeneutics of that passage. I mean, Luke didn't write that so that everybody could have a home church. No. No, he, he, he wrote that. That's what they were doing in Jerusalem because of the crowds were so big. They met together, but they also did it daily because they had so many people to disciple. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was a there was a, a reason for that. Yeah. Um, you know, you could look at, a, well, here's a good example of how that works. Uh, Paul Youngie Cho, the largest okay. church in the world. Huge, yeah. They could hold 25,000. Mm -hmm. He's got almost a million people that are coming to his church there in South Korea. Yeah. Um, and, and one part, of, I read a book that he wrote, and, and like he said, I've got deacons I've never met. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it's hard to conceive of something like that. Well, and they yeah. had home groups because yeah. you could only come to service, I think it was once every three months. Mm -hmm. they, had a, they had a way of tracking that. Why, you just didn't have any room. So they had cell groups. They called them cell sure, groups. cell groups, yeah. Which are some of their cell groups could be two or 300 people, but they were extensions of that mm -hmm. church in South Korea. You see... To me, that is biblical. Yeah. To me, that is. That's we what went to this uh, this particular area or country. Somebody, an, uh, an apostle, established the work. That work was for the church at whatever this place yeah. would be, and then it grew. Of course, it's going to grow. Yeah. And that's the the, the Bible says in Acts. Uh -huh. It says he added to the, the church daily. Essentially, but they had three thousand people that got saved on oh, one day. In one day. <laughs> and then if you look at what he wrote about here in four, and you read the scripture, the idea of why God gave the fivefold ministry mm -hmm. was to equip the church to do works of service. And he talked about how that, you know, um, that that ministry should be. We, we, in other words, we will, it's, it's to be until the place where we're, uh, well, until we come to the unity of faith, the knowledge mm -hmm. of the Son of God, perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Yeah. 
and and so that means that's perpetual because that's we, have, we haven't got there yet. And yeah. then that yeah. what's the result of that? We're no longer children mm-hmm. tossed about by every wind of doctrine. Wind of doctrine, yeah. yes, about the slight you know, the cunning crafts of men. And uh, and then we're uh, here, right here, verse sixteen. But from whom the whole body, in other words, joined to the head, Christ. And by the way, this Christ, he's not talking about the universal church. He's talking to the church at Ephesus. Yes. And so, and and that you know, it what does it do? It causes growth of the body. So yeah, you can see that ideal of cell groups and and things mm-hmm. like that. But that's never uh, just like it was in Jerusalem. It's never something. That's apart from the church in Ephesus, mm-hmm. you know, or the church in Jerusalem, or the church at Corinth, or or wherever. And just like you mentioned in Revelation, those are not written to all the churches in Ephesus. No, it was written to the church. The in church, Ephesus. yeah. And um, and some historians have characterized the Ephesian church maybe to be over twenty or thirty thousand. I don't know mm-hmm. how big it was. I, I don't. Th- I don't know how you can know that. But but I understand where they're coming from. This must have been large work. I'm sure it was. You know, and as you're talking about Young Chill and all that, my mind goes back to Moses. Yes. When his father-in-law had to come to him and say, "Yo, dude, you're you're taking on too much. Yeah. You need to." So they they had people that were over certain numbers yeah. to take care of the work. Now that is a good. Problem to deal with. Yes, yes, that's a very good problem. But then here's the thing is that what we have, and we used the term before, renegades. And we have renegade ministers. And and this is something that we, you know, like you're saying, we ask the question, is it done biblically? Well, of course, if the the work is growing and you have to have others and all that. But then... We have others that are renegades that not only are they going to leave your church and start a work, they're going to take half your congregation with you. Yes. and, and With them, I'm you sorry. Know, and, yeah. and, and, and you know, like I said, I'm speaking from a pastoral standpoint along that line. That is uh, something that you, you hope that most people never have to go through. I've been through it. And uh, I can I can think and I won't mention the church for that mm-hmm. matter. But anyway, a church. In fact, I'd been at this church uh, for probably less than two years. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you know that when you go into a church you've never been to before, and you you know, and there's a process that you know people have to affirm that yes, they vote. You, you know, you're voted in. And, sure. And you get a term like a press. Yeah, how so strange little things. Uh, yeah. Anyway, and uh, so I went into this church, and uh, and it became pretty obvious to me. It didn't take very long for me to understand that there were problems, and uh, I mean there were some severe problems, and there were reasons why the church had never went anywhere. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, uh, and and so you know I began to pray. You know, what do you want me to do about it? I, you know, I mean I'm. Brand new, brand new, okay. and uh, so it was just kind of like, well, you just minister the gospel, and you do what you're called to do as a pastor, and and uh, and eventually the Lord uh, communicated to me, and it was in a prayer meeting. It's <laughs> strange. We were doing fasting and praying for a week, mm-hmm. and uh, doing some prayer meetings and stuff, and the Lord He spoke to me. I mean, He spoke to my heart, you know, and He told me He said, "People are praying that you would leave this church." I mean, I've only been there a year. Wow. And uh, and immediately I re- recognized what Paul wrote about witchcraft. In other words, trying to manipulate people sure. and stuff. And uh, 
So uh, on Sunday morning, the Lord again communicated very clear to me, this is a moment. I want you to get up there on Sunday night. I want you to have it recorded. Okay. And you address that from the pulpit. And so I address what the Holy Spirit communicated to me. I, I took authority over the uh, witchcraft. Mm -hmm. One of the ladies in the church was a leader of the church, doubled over. Wow. In convulsions. And um, yeah, well, that's pretty, well, without getting bizarre here, yeah, that's a pretty good indication you got demons. Yes. Okay. Anyway, and, uh, and what would happen within probably about a couple of months later, um, I had a, I had, so the church, had, we took the church with 25 people, mm -hmm. uh, well, maybe 35, uh, 35 people. It had grown to 110, and two of my board members left, but there was, a, but, but this is the backdrop to that story. I had another gentleman who was one of the leaders in our organization in, a, in the Assemblies of God down there in South Texas. He's not anymore, so it doesn't matter. Uh, I'm not going to mention his name because that's not important. No. Okay. But he had come. I'd had him preach in my church. Mm -hmm. He had preached in other Assembly of God churches in the same area. And he decides after doing that that he's going to start a work less than 10 miles away from ours. Well, all of a sudden, i got two of my board members. I've got my children's church workers and everybody, and then they drug out about half the church. Where do you think they ended up? Oh, down at that other church. Now, is that a work of the Spirit? Well, it depends on how you want to look at it. Which Spirit? <laughs> you know, I mean, well, it was a work of the Spirit in one sense that God removed them. Sure. He made that. Now, I don't feel good at the time, even though the Lord had given us indications this was going to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and you still don't want it to happen because we don't like losing anybody. No, no. And, uh, and, and, and as a result, because of that, then God brought other people into the church. Yeah. We were able to buy land, build a building, grow even bigger, and never look back. And even to this church to this day, it's still going and blowing down. You know, but, 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 but so you could say, you know, looking at it from a hindsight view, uh -huh. God needed to remove people. Yeah. They were in the way. They had been in the way for decades. And uh, now, if you're living in that moment where this is happening, wow, this is an attack of the devil. <laughs> this is like, you know, what is going on? Why did you bring me here? But, but you know, but that is, but, but no matter how you want to look at that as a work of the Spirit to remove them, why would he have to do that? is because they were not obeying what Paul wrote here in the fourth chapter of Ephesians. But do you, do you, in a, what you're talking about here is it br bringing to mind how that, <clears throat> excuse me, in Jesus and John the Baptist, I believe, was it John? John the Baptist? Anyway, he, in his teaching, he was saying, if a tree was not bearing fruit, yeah. it would take the ax to the root of the tree and cut it down. In other words, it would deal yeah. with the foundation of that. Yes. In, the, in other words, to and what why and and I want to get all. Uh, don't have a lot of time to be able to uh, compare it, but you compare it to like pruning. Yes. And Jesus talked about that in John fifteen. Yeah. And how that sometimes you go in, and if there is a perversion of what is proper. 
not perverse, uh, you know, of what should be of the scripture, of the biblical way of things, the way things should be being run within that church. Yes. God will deal with it. Uh, you, you, your example here, I remember one uh, preacher, when he was talking about how that he was in a church and uh, he was uh, preaching God, uh, the, the, the Lord began to move in a, in a way and that there was individuals that were manipulating things within the church. I mean, and of course, one of the big ways is that there was a lot of money being tossed around, but we won't get, get that deep into there. But uh, when God began to move on that church, that they said that man that was holding us back and holding things back literally had to crawl on his, uh, I mean, he got vivid, crawl up to the altar and repent because of uh, of what he was doing with that church before that, and then all of a sudden a great revival went up, yada, yada, yada. But the thing is, and it's interesting how we went from apostolic ministry, but when we deal with it, the way it's being, dealt, uh, the way it's happening here in America today, or in the world for that matter, actually you see a lot more of the problems in America, but, and then you deal with individuals who, for some particular reason, cause church splits. They want to take uh, people with them. And I think, and, and we're going to have to wind this one up here. I guess we only got through one day. <laughs> we uh, never know, do we? <laughs> yeah, we never know. But could it be is that, unfortunately, just uh, people are, how can I put this? People by nature are selfish. When you begin to see the work or the ministry or that church or the, the ministry there as your ministry, it's mine. Then at the, instead of God's ministry, instead of what he wants, then there are certain things that, certain things that creep in that, that, that maybe not, ought not to be there. Like, well, this is my ministry. I want my own ministry. Whoa, oh, who are we doing this for? Right. Yeah, it, it's, uh, you know, I mean, we've always encouraged people to say, you know, this is your church. We, we, mm -hmm. we want them to have a, if they're a member, to have a certain, I can't think of a better word, ownership. Not like I own it, but but the ideal that I've got a certain responsibility and, and I, I need to come to this church. I need to support it. I need to. Mm -hmm. use whatever gifts and talents that God has given me when I have a avenue that I can get involved. You know, I mean, we want people to, to be a part, sure. you know, a member, one of yeah. another. But that's not like, it's either my way or the highway. You know, I mean, this, yeah. you know, the ownership, like as a pastor, you know, I, because, and, and part of this is, you know, being in the ministry for numerous years as a pastor, I don't own River of Life Church. Hmm. This is this is the church where I serve. I'm a steward. That's what I am. I won't always be the pastor here. I don't plan on leaving anytime soon. I hope I'm here till Jesus comes back. Yeah. Uh, but I guarantee you, 50 years from now, I probably won't be here if the Lord doesn't come back. Sure. In fact, it could be sooner than that. I mean, who knows? Yeah. You know what I mean? We, but I, I'm just saying, there's going to be a point in moment that's going to come that I will not be the pastor here yeah and uh if time continues to go because everything that's alive has a, du a duration tag on it everybody oh, will yeah. die eventually Absolutely. you know you get old yeah. die. that's the way the life is. It is um 
you know, sin entered the world, death spread to all men. That's the way it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we don't like it. Uh, there's a resurrection, thank God, but on a practical level, someone else will eventually pastor this church. Sure. So why would I want to take a ownership to the point of being dictatorial? Yeah. I, I've I, and I've never done that either. I've always uh, I, I've ta- I've trained pastors, and uh, one of the things I talk about is that if you if you feel like you want to go a certain direction, or you want to do something, what you need to do is you need to cast that vision. You need to get with your leaders. You need to mm-hmm. really explain your heart. You get with people to pray with you. Yes. You get everybody involved. So when you finally present that thing, you already know the result of it. Exactly. Don't yeah. get in there and all of a sudden mm-hmm. just, I'm going to do this. God told me to do this. You haven't prepped anybody. In, in other words, something that's a little out of the ordinary. Let's just say you wanted to start cell groups or you wanted to start this type of ministry and you have not done your due diligence. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's grounds for failure. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Or yeah. all your people will say yes because they love you and then we'll support it. You, you know, and, and, <laughs> yeah. and things like that happen. I'll give yeah. you an illustration. Mm-hmm. Uh, of this in, in brief, um, you know, I this church is the first church I've ever pastored where I did not have a Sunday night service, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm so used to having a Sunday morning, Sunday night, and a Wednesday. Sure, and uh, and, and Sunday night was so effective, especially as it relates to it being more relaxed of a service. Mm-hmm. People spend time around what we call altars or kneeling benches. Sure. And we would see a lot of the work of the Spirit in people's life as God was able to deal with them. Okay. And um, and then coming here, it's just, man, you're trying to jam-pack everything on a Sunday morning. You're trying to have a Sunday night atmosphere. Part of that on a Sunday morning. It's so hard. It's difficult. I mean, it's very <laughs> difficult. And yes, that doesn't mean God can't do things, and he has. Yeah. Um. But uh, but so, you know, after being here about a year, let's see, I've been here over eight years. I guess I'm going on my ninth. Anyway, about, after about a year, I sat there and I went to some of the people and said, I'd like to start a Sunday night service. Mm-hmm. But I didn't do my due diligence like I teach everybody else. I didn't do it as well. I had a few people say, I just don't think it's the right time. I don't <laughs> think it'll work. Okay. And anyway, and one of those was Glenn Hawks, and and he's a very spiritual man. And by the way, he came to all of our Sunday night services when we did them. Oh, absolutely. And uh, and so you know, um, you know, so I because I, I was thinking in terms of our young people and some of the people mm-hmm. we need people to get filled with the Holy Spirit. I want people to get maybe this is a place where God can really deal with them and and, and on a much personal level, and uh, plus it gives opportunity for other speakers. You sure. know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, in the church. And and so I go into this. I'm convinced. I make announcements on it. And, uh, man, we're lucky to run 20 people. Yeah. I mean, every Sunday. I mean, and all the people that I had as a target, mm-hmm. none of them came. Nobody showed up. Nobody came. None of them showed up. And I'm just like, and, 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 and I did talk to them, and they were like, well, this would be a great idea, but I didn't really ask them. I just mm-hmm. told them what we were going to do. And after six weeks, I just shut the whole thing, thing, whole thing down. Yeah. I thought, this is this not even worth turning the electricity on for. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, and I mean, I, you know, and I wanted it to work. I, I want, And I felt like God would want us to meet. Mm-hmm. But obviously, either I didn't cast that vision right, 
or I just didn't, you know, I missed it. One, it's one of the two. So well, here we are, almost eight years later, we still don't have a Sunday night service, and nobody's mm-hmm. crying for one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so it's just like, well, that, that you know, and, and, but once again, this, the stewardship ideal mm-hmm. versus ownership. Yes. And yeah, and um, that, that's true. But you see, that, that okay, so... And I'm gonna. We're gonna to try to wind this up now. Where <laughs> that we really went to to work on apostles today, but um, one of the things that I was thinking here is this: is that if a person has feels a calling in their life, they're sitting in the pew, uh, you know, and then they feel that they have a ministry, they want to do something. One of the biggest things is is that communication. Yes. I mean, sit down with your pastor, talk with them. Uh, explain what you're going, get some wisdom, get some counseling on that, you know? And the thing is, don't sit there and say, well, they never call on me to do, why why are you looking for somebody else to, to, uh, to prod you or to pull you in order to, to get your ministry going? You, you see that, that, that's what I'm saying is that when when God began to to talk to me about doing this podcast and all that, we're still in our infancy. We're we, we're still uh, going, and it, it's it's going well. We're spreading out, and things are going well. But at the same time, it was a uh, I, I informed you about it. I let you know what I was going to do, uh, what what God was leading me, and told me, you know, this has been I've been thinking about it for I don't know how long. We've been praying about it for years, so and. Then we begin to to go out, and of course you're you're here, and you're you're willing to support it, and that I mean that's that's good because you can communicate, you can you know you have have a vested interest in it, but you see when somebody just sits back and sit, and sits there and waits for you to call on them to do something, well first of all they have you know we're not mind readers here, we're not no. it's not the psychic hotline here. Yeah. As pastors, you you need to t- talk and tell your pastor. Listen, I feel like I need to do some music ministry or something or whatever. Yeah, I, mean, I feel a calling to this and that. Well, it's like when you mentioned the podcast. You came to me and yeah. told me what was on your heart, what you'd like to do. You felt like you were in a position where you could do it, mm-hmm. and uh, and you had the technical background to, to do. I, sure, I, I wouldn't begin to know how to do this <laughs> anyway. And so uh, you know, you mentioned it, and you, and you know, and I remember looking at you at that time and said I really feel good do it yeah this is necessary in the church this is a avenue of ministry that will be so beneficial yeah and uh, you know and, and, and that's what that's what your pastor's for mm-hmm. you know I mean hopefully everyone has a pastor that'll look at them and say you're out of your mind <laughs> yeah well, absolutely <laughs> if you're out of your mind or let's pray about it let's you know what is the right proper, you know, yeah. and he may not be going, but you see here that that's accountability. Yes. Yeah, that is accountability. That's every preacher yeah. has to have accountability. And that is one thing. And we don't have time to go into all of that, but every preacher, you know, is as a pastor, if you're a minister, like with the assemblies of God, you have those papers, there's yes. Christian workers papers. There's a, a license, license and ordination. Yeah. You know, there's, you have an accountability and that's where, that's the proper way of doing things. And by and by the way, you know, people I've had uh, independent Pentecostal charismatic people 
who absolutely do not like the assemblies of God, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, they say, well, you know, it's, it's just too complicated. Uh, you know, and, and my, my point is, yeah, you know, and this is not just true of the assemblies of God. This is, I'm just speaking in this regard. There's sure. other organizations the same way. And I said, well, yeah, because those papers mean something. Yeah. Uh, yeah, go try to get the thing you got out of a magazine and try to get on the mission field with that and see how it works for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, th those papers mean something because it you represent something bigger than yourself, and uh, and I, and I you know and and plus there's there's obligations that come mm -hmm. with every level of credentials. Sure. And. Um, and, I, and I've got my opinion about that, and I don't have to get into that. But, 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 <laughs> but you know, so I'm an ordained minister, but, yes. but I'm just saying that, so I'm at, I'm at the highest level you can be, which mm -hmm. that's the goal. If you start out as Christian workers, you'd like to get there. Yeah, sure. But they don't ordain anybody. You mm -hmm. have to have a certain kind of educational requirement, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, either a Bible college or you've got to have something yeah. that, that indicates that, you know, you they got the brand which is now global. You mm -hmm. can go through that, which is all yeah, the college, brand, you know, yeah. credited and all like that. Uh, anyway, um, but I had a, a gentleman ask me about that one time, and I said that that that's the difference between the, what you're holding there and what I'm holding. That doesn't make me better. Mm -mm. It just means that I had to be responsible to someone other than just myself. That's yeah. dangerous. Yeah, when it you have is. no accountability. Well, and and uh, w one thing that we have learned over the years, even in the even in the conducting of a regular service, yeah. <clears throat> excuse me, uh, con conducting of a regular service, church service, there has to be a certain spiritually speaking. There is an authoritative. There is kind of like a. You know, you, you know the, the pastor is the responsible one when he's up there. And if he says, okay, would you come up and speak? Then you, you will come up and speak. But how the, the even, uh, I believe it was Paul that talked about the order and being yeah. in order and all that type of thing. And even in a spiritual manner, God can't bless things that are, uh, that are out of no, whack. No. And, you know, when you're talking about that, that order, so that's 1 Corinthians 14. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know the logical question that you would have to you would have to ask: Who determines that order? Who determines what is right or wrong? Mm -hmm. but, but. That can't just be everybody in the church. No. Well, I mean, you say, well, that's the apostle Paul. Well, when what what about when he's gone? Mm. Um, it's the elder or the pastor or the overseer, whatever term we want to use. It's mm. whoever's there. That's conducting that service. Now, that's under the apostolic authority of Paul. Now, if he starts doing some things that aren't proper, guess who they're going to communicate with? Yeah. And Paul's going to come back in there. And by the way, John, uh, the apostle John, and, and the three letters he wrote, mm -hmm. he talks about some of the people that gave him problems. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there was apostolic authority in that sense. But in our situation, uh, if I were to do things that were number one not biblical, not mm -hmm. scriptural, uh, obviously moral issues, sure, um, there is a protocol to remove me. Yeah, yeah, and even he said, "Well, you have your own board of deacons and stuff like that." Yes, they have authority, but they don't have authority to do anything about me as an ordained minister. 
but my district does. Yes. Our presbyter does. Yes. And uh, and rightfully so. Yeah. Hopefully you wouldn't have anyone as a pastor in a church, any leader in the church is living in open sin, mm -hmm. you know, something of that nature. I mean, everybody has problems. I get that. Sure. But I'm talking about open sin, yeah. you know, and, and, uh, and because in that situation, yes, somebody need to be removed. Uh, because that's a detriment to the whole body, and 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 that, by the way, that removal in some sense of the word is apostolic. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Not the pastor, not apostolic. No. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> it's that organization, the people that are in the you know in our situation, the assemblies of God, the presbyter. In some ways, he's not an apostle, but he operates in an apostolic sense. Mm -hmm. In other words, a gifting. Sure. He's not just got his church to concern himself with. He's got all our churches to concern himself with. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad. We, we've gone full circle on this thing. Yes. And in what we've discussed, we've, we've discussed how things are things that are happening in America today with regards to the church and the establishment of churches, the apostolic flow that we're talking about. And now it's coming back around to yeah. authority. Um uh, accountability. Yes, and that's 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 the thing. And and then again, I use that term renegade, and that no, you can't be a renegade not not according to scripture. If you you don't you go off on your own, there has to be an accountability, um, and even the Bible talks about that too. But okay, great. Well, I tell you what, we have we went places with this apostolic yeah, yeah. we went Diff with that first. different than i thought but yeah that's okay but well, we had a lot of our points so. we did well we your did. three questions were were that, that kept us on target you know as to you know uh well let's make sure i got the right first one in other words is any apostle for today mm -hmm. uh it, you know how is it to operate if it is yeah is it biblical in other words and you know, i think we've established that it is biblical there and we've looked at how it could operate, and uh, and we've distinguished between what is an apostle mm -hmm. and what is an apostolic gift. Yeah, that's two separate issues. Absolutely, absolutely, and the establishment of churches, how yeah. the right way of doing things, versus <clears throat> what we have seen, and th right. those are some of the examples that we've given that are not necessarily we really scriptural. We didn't get into. Well, I guess what we could have got into, but we'll just leave that alone. Yeah. Maybe we can deal with that. We deal with the prophets. All right. Yeah. Well, we're gonna we're, the next time we're gonna deal with prophets next week. Okay. So, uh, and that's probably gonna have its own turn into its own uh, animal yeah, as it is. Yeah. So, um, okay. Well, great. And um, if you're out there, uh, continue to listen to this. This is good teaching. This is good things that are being brought out as a Christian. Um, uh, and as I say, like a newborn Christian, uh, you have to make a choice on a church. Yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> and, uh, and I feel for people on that. <laughs> yeah. And, and we do feel for you, but there are ways of doing it. Yes. You've got to, uh, doctrine you have to pay attention to and all that. Uh, make sure if the people, you know, when we, we, uh, a few episodes back, we dealt with some of the uh, things that we deal with as a church, as a Christian going into a church and, um, you know, are they friendly? Are you welcome? Are the people reaching out to you or do you feel at home? And a lot of this is how close are you to God and how close are you tied into the Holy Spirit's leading and guidance. But we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get on to that in a future episode. Anyway, thank you for uh, listening and we will, uh, we'll, uh, be back next week. So tune in. God bless you all.